This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef, Frank Proctor, yes. Uh, Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, Franklin. Good morning, Grace. Good morning, Grace. Uh, I am in an ebullient mood this morning. Excellent word. Yes, yes. Or I've heard it both ways, ebullient and ebullient. I like ebullient. It sounds better. Yes. But the Leafs won last night. I couldn't believe it. I was was on the floor. Tell me you're a Leafs fan? (laughs) Well, no, no, I wasn't. (laughs) I'd given up. I'd given up. I, I, like a lot of people, I know I'm I'm a guy that hitches his wagon to to a winning. I was going to say, you're one of those. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I did get excited last night. I couldn't believe it. (gasps) They won four in a row. It's like, you know. Good Lord. Is it four in a row now? Yeah. I, it was first so f- time in 17 years. First, when they, the, I think it was they won their second game, and the Globe yeah. and Mail had the front cover, <laughs> and it said undefeated, and I swear the yeah, font yeah. was about a 360-point font. I was going, what? <laughs> how, how many games have they played? <laughs> I know. Just nuts. But... Uh, it's good for them, you yes. know. Sounds like I'm sounds a like Raptors you a, fan, frankly. Are you a Raptors fan? Yeah, they're not. They're I never played basketball. Well, being five foot four, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they never. Difference. I was always last to be chosen. You know what I mean? You know Didn't how that they, feels, right? You to be the towel yeah. boy or something. You get him for that side, and you get him for, and you you stay there for a while. You know? <laughs> hmm. Oh well. Hey, here we are on the, on the garden show. That's You'd correct. never know uh, mm. from our opening, would you? No, Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, here to answer all your questions. Let me cover off the phone numbers first, okay? Four one. Six three six zero zero seven forty in Toronto and anywhere else in the province. Toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740. And if you'd like to send Charlie an email with a question or comment, whatever, C. Dobbin, that's C, then D O B B I N, at am740.ca, because that's where we are at AM740. Well done, thank Zoomer you. Zoomer Radio. Yeah. Uh, now, keep in mind as well if you miss a show, uh-huh. or for whatever reason, you know, you just can't tune in during the live 9 till 10 garden show yeah, every you, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. we are archived on iTunes, and you can listen to the podcast. Very easy. Just go to iTunes.com, and then there'll be a search box, and just search the garden show, and it'll come up, and you can pick a date and listen to the entire show. There we are. You and I, when we're 100, will be able to do the... <laughs> Here's how we sounded, Charlie. <laughs> I remember that day. <laughs> no callers. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that worked, eh? Yeah. Well, we, we do have callers. We you do, do have a few announcements first, though, uh, right? Yes, quickly okay. let me just uh, tune you in. Well, the one big announcement that I was sent is happening next Saturday, and it's a very fun-filled family event at the Toronto Botanical Gardens all around Halloween. Of course, we're getting into that spooky oh, time yeah. of the season. So TBG, or Toronto Botanical Garden, offers a fun and educational Halloween-inspired activities for children. This is for kids of all ages. Uh, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, running right through till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the events uh, range from learning about bats and how to attract more into your garden. Uh, there'll be a reptile show, and again, lots to learn about reptiles and how they help in our gardens. And Reptilia will be there with a bunch of reptiles, so everybody can get into that. Then it's get on your costumes, a two-hour tour of the gardens, creepy creatures, spooky games, and even uh, planting up of some spider plants to take home. So it'll be, a, a like I say, a fun-filled day. A registration is required if you're going and taking children with you. So the phone number at TBG is 416-397-1341. So that's 416-397-1341 to register. Or go through their website, very simple, just Toronto Botanical Garden. Well, I noticed Grace was writing that number down. She's planning on calling right after the show, I can tell. She loves spooky stuff. Oh, she loves parties. 
Oh, <laughs> she yes. loves spooky parties. Spooky parties. Spooky's good. Parties are good. It's <laughs> it's her kind of an event. And she'll haul a few kids along, and you're good to go. <laughs> She's laughing. Um, uh, just before we go to a, a break, a couple of things. One is I want to give a big shout out to the staff at Valley View Gardens. I was yeah. telling you, Frank, that Valley View Gardens is definitely one of the better stocked garden centers in the entire GTA. Now, where are they located? They are right on Kennedy Road, just north of Finch. Uh, they've been there for many, many years. The staff there are wonderful. They're very friendly. Uh-huh. The the guy who runs it, Larry, will do anything for you. If you want a specialty item, he's... Larry, going, I need 25 bucks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's plants, baby. Oh, plants. oh, oh, darn. Specialty plants. He's hauling plants in from almost all over the world on yeah. a weekly basis. So he will... He, he'll work with you to get what you need if he doesn't have it in stock, but they have an, an incredible... Well, isn't it great when you uh, find a place like that, that where service is really good service? Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. So, yeah, wonderful people to work with. So if you're looking for special specialty uh, and plants, Valley View Gardens, uh, they have a website, they're open seven days a week, and they're open, as I said, year-round, so you can check them out for seasonal plants at any time. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, and then one other thing is, don't forget about Sierra Sill. Sierra ah, Sill. Yes. We had Michael Bentley here last week uh, on the show, and he was talking a little bit about this particular product. It's a mineral-based supplement. Uh, the the kind of the the trick or or the the um, the idea that that he likes to say is that minerals are your garden's friends and they're good for you too and that's true right that's we, Makes we sense. feed yeah. our plants macro and micronutrients many of which are minerals and they're good for people too so sierra sill is a natural mineral formula it's proven to be effective against aches and stiffness making gardening and other activities or chores a whole lot easier more information one eight seven seven joint 14 through rainy days and long droughts infestations and early frost she's the one constant in your garden you're listening to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin <laughs> and i'm frank proctor i have one of those moments uh you know we get uh, on our monitor here in the studio grace types out who's on the line and so forth so on and then maybe the reason why well i read <laughs> Sharon from West Lorne is going to be on the line with us right next. And I kind of read it backwards. And I read, Mum Falls? Oh, no, oh, no Fall Mums. That's what it's. <laughs> so there you go. Sharon, is your mom okay? <laughs> but we're not going to Sharon. Uh, are we not going we're to Sharon? Oh, my God. Sylvia first. Oh, my goodness. Well, Sharon, we'll you think that over and check with your mom. See how she is. Sylvia <laughs> is on the line with orchids in mind. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Yes, I uh, have two orchids, the moss orchids, uh, and uh, I don't know if it's a problem, but ever since I moved from my house mm-hmm. to an apartment, uh, they've been blooming, mm-hmm. but every time they bloom, they uh, produce long stems on the flower stem. Mm-hmm. And these don't die back, mm-hmm. they just keep on growing. Now they're about over a yard long. Oh my! Yeah. And I'm just wondering whether it's okay to cut them back at the time they stop blooming, or just leave them. As long as they're green, I would leave them. But I think what's going on there is um, perhaps they're in less light now than they used to be in your in your home. Very likely, I'm in an apartment with a big overhang uh, mm. apart um, balcony, balcony. above. And so that's why you're seeing that extended growth, the longer uh, flower stems. And I think you'll see that even with the leaves. So the plant is responding to the lower light by, you know, growing and drooping more than it should. Probably one of the best things you could do would be to consider purchasing a, a plant light, just a small little grow light for illumination. Not, not like a big uh, four-foot fluorescent tube or anything, but even just a simple bulb that you could put into uh, a directional lamp. And, and have it sit over top, preferably, you know, a good foot or two above the orchids, but just provide that extra illumination during the day. I think you find that would make a big difference. Is, is this a fluorescent light? No, I, I mean, you can go with a fluorescent light, but you don't need something that big. You could just go with a simple bulb in a simple fixture. But it's got to be a, a grow uh, light. A grow bulb, a exactly. A grow bulb, yeah. A grow bulb. So you'd need to go to a, a garden center, or you may find uh, one of those grow bulbs at, um, sometimes I see them at aquarium stores and pet stores, and you'll also sometimes see them in, in home hardware type stores, or you know what I'm saying, like home fix-it stores. Uh-huh, well... 
Very good. I shall try that. Okay. Those uh, little uh, fluorescent bulbs that uh, people are now using in their uh, regular lights. Mm-hmm. That that's an option as well. Uh, certainly, there's many good grow lights that are of the fluorescent nature. They tend to be four feet long, though I think you can also get them two feet long. And the idea is they're trying to provide the wavelengths of light that best mimics sunlight. Uh, so there's those that very important red light that must be part of a good plant light. And so they're out there. Well, just whatever might work with what you've got set up, that's, I think, your bottom line is more light, more illumination on those orchids, and they will be happier. Okay. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thanks for your Thank call. Thank you, Sylvia. I once brought a grow light. But it got so big, I had to give it its own bedroom, and I, that was the last for me. So it got taller. Than uh, you, works for other people, you though. Got jealous. That's right. That's <laughs> you, right. You gave it away. <laughs> what a, a parent. <laughs> AM seven forty nine seventeen. The time and Sharon from West Lorne with, with your fallen mum. Hello, hi, <laughs> hi, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Frank. Um, I'm calling about fall mums, mm-hmm. not mums fall. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, I was wondering if uh, I'd like to buy some. Some fall mums, mm-hmm. uh, and I've heard you say, Charlie, that uh, to put them in the ground like right away, or mm-hmm. you can. Um, I was wondering if I could divide them now and uh, put some some one place and some another place, um, or would it be safer to wait till spring? Wait till spring. Okay. When plants are flowering, which is what the fall mums are doing now. I can hardly hear you. When, um, okay, so here's a suggestion. Maybe hang up your phone. Okay. Turn up your radio. Okay, fine. All right. Thank you very much. And I'll Have a good week. Thank, yeah, okay. you too. Thank you. <laughs> Give Sharon a second to do that. But she's absolutely right. If, per, if you're purchasing fall mums now mm-hmm. and you want them to come up in your garden next year to bloom next fall as well, then getting them in the ground as soon as possible is important. Now, Sharon's question of can she do the dividing so she buys one mum but mm-hmm. hopefully gets more than one plant out of it, now is not the time to do that because right now they're in full flower and when any plant is in full flower, it is not the right time to do dramatic severing and dividing and major renovation to the plant. Uh, spring is fine because what will happen, of course, in the spring is you'll just get those little green leaves starting to pop up from mm-hmm. the root in the spring and it's very easy easy then to see how to divide it so you dig it up and then you don't even have to you just with a sharp shovel you can often just uh, chop off chunks oh really as long as your chunk that you chop off you know has some green leaves and below that some root then you take that chunk and move it into a different spot a sunny make sure it's a sunny well-drained spot in the garden and it will grow throughout the summer and bloom next fall but for now when you're buying them just get them in the ground water thoroughly and and you know hope that they they survive the winter and are there to come up next spring make sure you know where they are <laughs> Very. they're a bit slow to come up in the spring sometimes just a tad slow okay we're gonna we're, we're a tad slow this morning or at least i am uh i'm looking at the clock here and, oh we've got another little break coming up here so uh we, i'd rather than make bob short uh, 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 a short call. Let's uh, get to our little commercial content a little early, and then we'll be back to uh, go out to Scarborough and have a chat with Bob. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 9.20 on a fall-like morning here in oh, Toronto. But it's Not so crisp bad. and yes. so sunny. And all those leaves fell down and all that wind yesterday. And all that raking's going on. I was going to say, guess what we have to do this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Hello, Bob in Scarborough. How are you this morning? Good morning, you talented people. (laughs) Thank you. Good morning, Bob. (laughs) I have a question, and you've probably been asked a hundred times. But anyway, it's uh, wondering over geraniums. I've tried different methods, like uh, bringing them in and planting them in a pot or hanging them upside down to dry in a cool, dark place or cuttings or brown bagging them. But... Nothing seems to work. The cutting seems to be seem to be not too bad, but they get long and uh, spindly. Mm-hmm. Is there any proven method that you've used that might benefit me? Um, well, I think you're right. Probably for me, the easiest way to overwinter geraniums has been to treat them as a houseplant. So none of this dormancy or bagging or or basement for them. It's all about keeping them blooming and happy and watered. But that comes down to having enough sun. So if you're finding that they're getting long and leggy, it could be that they're getting insufficient light. So again, would a grow light be it the would. option here? Well, Bob, do you have a southern-facing window or a western-facing window without shears? I have shears? a western-facing, so uh, just keep the water to a minimum and fertilizer. 
Uh, no fertilizer in the winter. Okay. Water as necessary. So let them, you know, dry down. But when they dry down, water them thoroughly. But put them right in the window, right in that western window. Great. They, it's been a great year for geraniums. No kidding. And, you know, I, I have, a, I think many of us have kind of a few favorite geraniums that we love. And we keep them year to year. And, gosh, I know stories where... There's families where they've passed geraniums down through the family. You know, great-grandma's geranium is still being grown no year-round wow. as a houseplant in the winter and outside in the summer. So, But it really just comes down to lots of sun in the winter. Get it right on that window ledge, you know, right in the sun. And water as necessary. Don't ever fertilize in the winter. You will probably get some flowers. No big deal. Uh, cut them back. We, we start doing some kind of radical cutting back in March in preparation to go outside, get them nice and bushy, because they will get a bit leggy, no question, through the winter, just because of the lower light levels. Great. Thanks for your input. Okay. Good luck with that. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for calling, Bob. uh, That from Scarborough. Now we're going to travel all the way to Seaforth and say hi to Nelson. What's going on, Nelson? Well, I'm planning on moving a swamp cedar that's 15 feet high. The weather is just fine now, but I'd like to know what time of year is best to do that. Well, believe it or not, fall is the best time to do any transplanting. <clears throat> and Did you say 15 feet high? Yes, it's a big one. Oh, golly. Well, I'm busy that weekend. I'm sorry uh, very much, <laughs> Nelson. But Frank would love to <laughs> <Yeah>. help. <laughs> no, boy, that's a, that's a problem there. 15 well, feet. okay, but keep in mind, cedars don't have a huge root system, or it's not a particularly deep root system. So you can't, I mean... Yeah, you're going to need some friends to actually do the lifting because you do want to lift a good-sized root ball with that swamp cedar. With the 15 feet high mm-hmm. means you, you're going to have a fair-sized ball on the bottom when you do the yeah. moving. But fall is by far the best time to plant and transplant because of the lovely warmth in our soil. So that when we move plants or we plant plants in the fall, they love like that soil is so nice and warm. They start to grow immediately upon you know going into their new location. So if you're doing any transplanting, uh, you can do it now. I mean we're getting a little late. We try to do any planting or transplanting with a six-week window between the planting or transplanting and hard frost. That six weeks gives the roots a little bit of a chance to get growing a bit, get a little bit established before they shut down for winter. But um, what you would do is prepare the place where the swamp cedar is going to. Mm -hmm. Get your hole dug, get your nice soil amendments ready, have some bone meal on hand. And then uh, basically you dig a moat all the way around the existing swamp cedar, undercut uh, get a couple of strong friends and lift that whole plant with its roots and soil still, you know, attached. Get it into the new spot, pop it into the hole, stomp on it, get some soil on it, get some water on it right away, and perhaps even stake it if it's in a windy spot because that's a tall plant that could get knocked over in the winter wind. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, there you go. <laughs> My neighbor has a baby backhoe, so we'll go at it. Oh, you, yeah, you didn't mention that right off the bat. <laughs> no, that's great. That's the best way to do it for sure, because that way you will get a nice size root ball. <laughs> well, I wouldn't come off such a, such a cheese bowl if I'd known that. I wouldn't even have mentioned anything that baby backhoe. busy that way. Do you know how many baby. times I've put that on my Christmas list? Oh, yeah, and, and not once no, do you find it under the tree, not right? Once. No. I, not once. And I tell you, it's like everybody should have a baby backhoe. <laughs> such a handy item. You never know when you might want to dig a hole somewhere. My wife will tell you whenever we go by something like that, yeah. I want one of those. Yeah, you know, no. Oh, I want one of those. Yeah, they're like Baby little, bobcats. That's right. Like, it's like, like a little dinky yeah. toy. And if they're small enough, <laughs> see, in the, the urban and suburban yards that we live in, it, the, the access gates are so narrow, you don't want to you know, have to knock everybody's fences down to get the machinery yeah, into yeah. the back. So that's why a baby one is good because they're only about three feet wide. That'll get through most gates. Well, you can dig ponds, you can move plants. Exactly. I kept telling I my could family. I can go into business. That's right, yeah. my son. I said, look, you get me one for Christmas, I'll let you use it in the summer. You can drive up and down the street and dig holes for people. It'll be amazing. <laughs> the local graveyard would love to see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, phone numbers for the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, 416-360-0740. And if you're uh, anywhere else in the province, of course, it's toll-free, one 866 740 Four seven forty, and we're off to Shorn, uh, Thornhill to say hi to Cheryl. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Morning. How are you this morning? Great. How are you? I'm well. And Rufus and Nero say hello to you and your cat as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dickens waves hello too. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I have a question about uh, hibiscus. Mm-hmm. I've had a hibiscus at work for 
so many years. It's moved to three different buildings with me. It survives, but it's very spindly, mm. and it might get one, possibly two flowers every year. Mm. And I thought of cutting it back, but I wasn't quite sure when I should and how much I should. Okay, so the trick to any when you're wondering when to cut something back, if you're finding it's a little not pretty, you know, it's just a little spindly, a little ugly, if you will, the time to do your cutting back is when the plant is actively growing. Oh. Typically, our plants actively grow in the spring and early summer. So that's why when we're going to do our trimming on something like a hibiscus, that's the time to do it. Now, in your working situation, is it anywhere near a window? Is it able to get light? From yes, we've got it right near. It's uh, kind of a deck window, and I've, I moved it over there a few years ago because that's when it actually first started flowering. Good. Yeah. And it even flowered maybe a month ago. Oh, or good. Three, three or four weeks ago. Good. But one blossom, <laughs> and a beautiful yellow. Oh, pretty. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But there's only one. <laughs> Well, you know, (laughs) take what you can, right? Well, okay, so what I would do is, unless it's incredibly ugly right now, is I would just leave it where it is. Remember to turn it 180 degrees in that window situation every week because you don't want to have it all kind of growing to one side, you know, towards the light. Right, yeah. So remember to do that turning now right through until January, February. By the end of February, you're going to be in a situation where it's time to to cut it back and start fertilizing. So should I cut it right back to the main stock, like every one of the uh, branches? Uh, well, you it, you can as long as you make sure that you've left some green leaves on it. Okay. You never want to cut, particularly a woody plant like a hibiscus, right back so that there's only stumps and, yeah, and wood. Each branch only has like a few leaves, and they're quite far, uh, far uh, spaced apart. Sure, and they're probably out on the tips as well. Yeah. So what I've done sometimes when that happens is I make the cutting back a two-part process. I'll cut back one half because you're right. It, you know, you take off those tips. Now there's no leaves left. Yeah. yeah. So right. you don't want to leave the plant with no leaves. So one half at a time, cut back one half of the head back so that yeah it's really almost right back to the to the main stem it might you might be leaving three or four inch branches uh and there'll be no leaves on those but meanwhile the other side of the plant still has but those branches that you're referring to uh, they're green the, the three or four inches uh, well, they're uh, green brown wood? but they're yeah. alive brown. okay and they have uh, dormant buds alive as well and those dormant buds will pop and grow given the right circumstances. So that's often, that Mm -hmm. does come down to increased light levels, which we have in the Mm -hmm. spring. Uh, Obviously, fertilizer can often force growth as well. But it's just too radical to take all those stems off at once, all those branches off. But, you know, half at a time, first half, you wait. uh, Little green buds will start to, little tiny green leaves will start to show, and then they'll start to expand as those, you know, might take a week to 10 days to two weeks, then cut back the other side as well. Because oh, as I say, it, it's been around for so long, and I think uh, it took maybe 15, 17 years before it actually had a bud on it. No kidding. Boy, what and patience you've got. It excitement that everybody kept taking pictures of. <laughs> well, well, the other <laughs> thing... It's so long. I know. <laughs> everybody gave up on it but me. Oh, Aww. good for you. Yeah, exactly. Good for you. But, well, there's another thought. When you're doing the cutting back and you're taking those pieces, those stems where you've got a few leaves, those little skinny bits of tip growth, each one of those is another hibiscus plant, which is a yellow flowering hibiscus. So have a raffle within your office and raffle off those cuttings when you are doing that cutting back. You know, raise money and, and send it off to a good cause or something. You know what I mean? And, like, and do, you put, do you put those cuttings in water? Yep. Or? yep. Oh, Simple. I never realized you could do that. Absolutely. It's a beautiful yellow flower That's, when it does come out. Hibiscus are very easy to grow from cuttings. Absolutely. Just make sure it's a good you know length of cutting. And you've I got some buds going under. Underwater. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, oh, okay. Fantastic. Wonderful. Good luck with that. Thanks, Thank Cheryl. You. Thank you. Uh, one of our happy callers there uh, from AM740. This is the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor. And let's say uh, hi here to Diane, who's calling in from New Hamburg. Good morning, Diane. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. It's a delight to talk to you. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. I have a question about my raspberries. Mm hmm. Uh, they're the kind that uh, produce in the fall, late August, September, October. Yeah. And I'm finding some of them are um, crumbly. They're, they're not as big as the 
um, regular berry, but they're they're crumbly and um, well, they're not nice. So the fruit. <laughs> I'm just wondering what's causing that. How does how do the leaves look in the stems? They look fine. Yeah, they do, eh? They're kind of mixed in with all like the the whole uh, row of raspberries. And I get nice ones, but then I also get these crumbly ones. Now, I don't know if that's the old stock. Hmm. Uh, this is the kind you cut back in the, uh, well, either after they're done producing or in the spring. Right. Yeah, they're what we call ever-bearing raspberries. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a, two flushes of growth and two sets of fruit with them quite often because okay. they will bloom and, and, as you say, bloom and provide some fruit late in the season. So when you say crumbly, yeah, I can imagine. So because we know a raspberry is actually an aggregate fruit, fruit, right? It's all those little, each seed has a little bit of fruit around it and they yeah. all kind of hold together into a cup-shaped fruit. So when you, when you pull them off the plant, it just falls into a bunch of little, little yes. bits. Yes, they do. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I honestly don't know what's happening that. Uh, I mean, unless it, it is a patch that you take fairly good care of, you maintain, you trim, you fertilize, you top dress, that sort of thing. Yeah, but we put our mm. compost on in the Great. spring. Excellent. And leaves. Yep, excellent. But I also get lots of beautiful berries. I've, I've picked about 80, 83 quarts already. Oof, wow. I love, <laughs> I love raspberries. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up for you. Why okay. that would happen? Because that's, that's an unusual, you know, I'm trying to think yeah, uh, weather conditions shouldn't, you know, we're perfect. Well, and the other raspberries seem to be fine, right? Yeah, well, that's it. Sometimes, is it really crowded in the patch? Have you got, you know, is it hard to get in to get some of these raspberries? No, no, this year I really thinned them out. Yeah. Huh. I, I took a lot of plants out yeah, because good. they were just so uh, wide and... Uh, uh, thick. Yeah, they get so dense. You do mm-hmm. the quality of the fruit will deteriorate if the patch gets too dense with too much brambly growth. Um, okay, well, you know what I would suggest, Diane, is listen next week, and I will look that up and see if I can find something that, or maybe somebody who's listening will give us a call in the next half hour. Sure, Just give us a, a, a tip or a hint on what might be happening there, because I honestly don't know. Okay. Thanks for your question, though. It's a good one. All right. Just, Thank just you. Uh, thinking about how you look that up, you know, uh, crumbly raspberries. <laughs> hmm. yeah, amazing what you I can wonder, Google. Yeah, right? I guess, yeah, crumbly raspberries. Well, there you go. You never know. You and never I'll come know. up with recipes for raspberry crumble. <laughs> <laughs> well, raspberries, great That's with like cereal, your, though. your oh, fallen mums boy. and your mums that fall. <laughs> That's right. Hey, good morning to John in Dunville. Thanks for calling the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. I wish you a happy Saturday. I wish you a happy Saturday. <laughs> I love it. Anymore. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? Well, I see you've had a drink already this morning, so uh, <laughs> good stuff, John. <laughs> uh, in my garden, I raise a lot of squash, uh, butternuts, and uh, zucchinis. Mm-hmm. And I have a massive problem with beetles. Mm-hmm. What kind of beetles are they? Do you know? Uh, it's a it's a grayish type, hard shell. Grayish hard shell. Um, well, that's about all I can describe. And, and is what's the beetle doing? Is it chewing holes in the leaves, or is it actually causing the vines to collapse? Well, see, now, on my uh, butternuts, it doesn't seem so much, but on the uh, zucchinis. Okay, and and is it chewing the fruit, like chewing the zucchinis? Uh, I haven't pulled the, uh, well, the zucchinis. It's uh, right at ground level. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of chew their way through these things like they're going out of style. And they're actually chewing on the zucchinis. Oh, at ground level, of course. Right. And they're beetles for it sure. Opens, it, it opens the, uh, the stem up completely. Uh-huh. Hmm. Dirty devils. Hmm. <laughs> you should see the look on yeah. Frank's face. I'm very, I'm very concerned, though. Frank's going to come with a fly swatter and look after them for you. <laughs> and, and you're sure they're beetles? or that it's not, you, you know, get a very big one because <laughs> i got a gang of them. Because <laughs> well, down on ground level, I often find, particularly when we get into some of the wet fall weather, we have the slugs, we have the you know earwigs, we have all those things that start chewing right at ground yeah. level. Uh, 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 see, I've had this problem for quite a few years. Even when it's dry, mm-hmm. I've got these guys. 
Hmm. So explain them. Tell me what they look like. They're completely gray. There's no stripes. They're not black no, and white. No, it's completely gray. Uh, gray back. Gray back. Uh, fairly hard, and uh, they're, they're not completely round. Okay. They've got kind of a, a point on the the. Uh, I'll say the, the the nose or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently, so they can start rooting good. <laughs> oh, does the nose actually have like um a, lo- a long narrow proboscis? You know, like it's a almost looks like a bit like an elephant trunk. No, 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 no. It's, no, uh, it's, it's just, just the shape very, of the. Insect. It might be, but not very big. Okay, because weevils. That's how you always can spot a weevil. It's got it, it looks like a little miniature trunk on its nose, and they definitely do all kinds of chewing on all kinds of our, our vegetables and, and plants. So when did you first see these insects on the vegetables? Uh, I, I've, to start with, uh, I've, I've picked the leaves off of them, mm-hmm. and the eggs mm-hmm. seem to be very precise mm-hmm. on how and where they lay their eggs. And it's on the nice, back. Nice, neat rows. Oh, nice. On the back. Well, they're the organized. Leaves? Yeah. You know, there's an insects, organized army there. Insects right. are amazing. <laughs> so the, you're noticing these little tiny eggs, and they're on the backs of the leaves? Right. Okay. Uh, usually right up where the uh, leaf starts to branch out from the stem or whatever. Okay. They like a nice, snug little corner. Yeah. So to avoid this in the future, which is really what we're trying to do here, and these are, you want to plant these things again next year, the squashes and the zucchinis, and you don't want to have the devastation that the insects are causing. One of the best ways to protect our, our particular low-to-the-ground vegetables uh, from invaders like beetles uh, is with what are called floating row covers. It's almost like cheesecloth. It's a... It's, um, just a very light gauze, and it goes over the plants in the spring, comes right down to ground level, and is, is you know... Forms a barrier. That's then. right. Yeah. yeah, it's a literally a, a blanket over the plants that insects that want to fly in and lay eggs or proceed to start chewing can't get at what's beneath the, the gauze. But, of course, the, the this material has to be uh, healed in under the soil of, at the edges, right across the rows. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm actually I'm a lazy gardener. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I know that feeling. I, uh, <laughs> I use this black plastic. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And to warm up the soil. Yeah, and yeah. I just uh, I put my plants Through. right where I've cut the hole. Sure, yeah, yeah. perfect. That's mm-hmm. not lazy. That's a great idea. Uh, it uh, it takes me a little longer to put it down and pick it up, mm-hmm. but I weed twice a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. also get your crops much earlier than anybody else. Uh-huh. Because you've got warmer soil because of that black plastic. Right. And the plastic holds the water in, too. Yeah, keeps the weeds down. Underneath? Okay, but yeah, it still wouldn't mean you couldn't put a, a row cover over, and then you, well, you would weed even less. <laughs> you'd, have, <laughs> yeah. you'd do, you know, all you do is lift the gauze to, to do some harvesting, really. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Uh, I've got some black plastic left over. Mm-hmm. Would this work, putting it over the plants? Mm-hmm. Well, not unless you want to bake the plants. Pardon? You would bake the plants. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, right, because we use black plastic to, to solarize the soil because of the heat uh, underneath the black, the absorption of the energy, the right, sun's uh-huh. energy. So, yeah, you never want to put that over plants unless you want to kill. If you have a patch of weeds that you want to kill, put your black plastic over top. It works like a charm. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Otherwise, the other thing is, I find uh, okay, bug be gone, uh, which is a pyrethrin-based chemical spray made from chrysanthemums. You know, crushed up chrysanthemums. That will kill those beetles and the eggs. But the trick is, is timing. Is getting that spray on uh, in in a timely fashion so that you don't have damage done to your crops. Uh-huh. So that's why I asked when you first saw the damage. So you know what? Similar to our last caller, uh, the, when we had the question about the raspberries, li- can you listen next week, John? And let me let me look up exactly what these beetles are. Usually, it's uh, when we want to control insects, it comes down to knowing the life cycle of that insect and knowing the insect. So leave it with me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some information next week on when to start spraying or suggestions on how to control that insect all over your squashes. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
And the sous chef, Frank Proctor, who, by the way, is feeling much better these days. I was going to say, you do seem to be back to your agile, vigorous self. I am moving with much alacrity. Yeah, no, I... Holy. Yeah, holy doodle. really playing I don't even know if that's correct or not, but it sounded good, didn't sounded it? sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Sierra Sil, as you will attest here, is is a great product, and it does really... And you really have been joy- taking yes. it. Yes, yes, I have. With consistency. With consistency, Every my day. darling. Yes. Three a day. Three at night, Three I take And them. drinking yep. lots of liquids. Yep. Okay, and the reason you're taking Sierra Sil is because you want to stay limber and active. And there you go. Right? Yes. And and be able to dance. I get so limber, I sometimes can't get up off the floor. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. He's but. kidding. But uh, remember that uh, Sierra Sil is a patented, all-natural mineral complex. It's been clinically proven to reduce inflammation, which is one of the things you've been struggling with. It's a favorite amongst people suffering from joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, chronic joint inflammation, injuries, digestive disorders, as well as people who want to stay active, like gardeners, which is how where I'm spending the next day and a half out in my garden. Hopefully I won't be too stiff, but for those of you that want to learn more about Sierra Sill, give them a call. They're standing by in Vancouver as I speak. one joint 14 Time on this Saturday morning, the uh, 16th of October. It's 9.45. Let's say hi to Jim in Brantford. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Hey, the last three or four years, I've grown my geraniums from seed. Mm-hmm. And this year, I thought I'd like to propagate them. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know the proper method that I can um, gather up my uh, geraniums and put them away and then bring them back out in January to uh, get them started again. Yeah, as opposed to doing the, uh, the, the seed uh, propagation. Right. Seeds, so- I, <clears throat> excuse me. I generally start them in December. Good. Yes, you have to. And, um, and I, I've done quite well with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we, I had over a hundred geraniums that I grew. Wow! And um, but I, uh, I, like I say, I'd like to try it this year. I'm, I'm also going to try uh, some other things with different plants. And uh, I'm a big favorite of uh, cactus zinnias, so I'm ah. going to save those seeds and try them as well. Good idea. That's fairly simple. Well, okay. So geraniums that are out in your garden right now, you haven't had a, a big frost, so everything's yep. standing perfectly fine right now, but it's certainly cooling off and plants are slowing down. A couple of ways to save geraniums. One is what we call the plants that are out in your garden right now are the mother plants, and they're in the ground or they are in pots? They're pots. Okay. So you can very simply do a thorough cleansing of to remove dirt and spiders and earwigs from those pots and bring the entire pot in the house. Now, if you've got 100 pots and the last thing you want is that many, you know, pots of geraniums in your house, you can take cuttings. Remember that um, cuttings are stem cuttings. We remove any flowers if there's flowers on the stems that we're cutting. We remove uh, the bottom roughly four or five leaves from the six-inch stem cuttings that we're taking. Dip the cut end into a rooting hormone, stim- stimulating, it's called stim root number one. And you do a dip into the powder. And from there, the, the cuttings can go into a flat filled with perlite or sand. Uh, I don't usually use water for rooting geranium cuttings because they tend to rot in water. But they do very well if you can, like I say, just simply get fill up a container with some perlite or some sand. Lots of moisture, obviously. Immerse, you know, stick the, 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 the cut end in under the sand or the perlite. It can take as long as a month or so to get some roots growing. And then you're into little pots of potting soil. You've got a bunch of little geranium plants at this point. Throughout this process, you need light. So whether it's windowsill light or grow lights, nothing will happen without sufficient light on these plants. Okay. If you don't have a really bright spot or you don't have lights to keep these plants growing, many people will just put them in the basement. But the best situation there is if you have a root cellar. So there's the dark, cool, moist root cellar where a geranium can be put into a semi-dormant state and will stay alive um, with virtually no care. Uh, and that's the old hang it upside down from the rafters. They will, believe it or not, stay alive as long as it's moist, cool, and dark. Okay. Um, when you hang it upside down, you just hang the plant itself. You don't put it in any kind of a 
a container bag or a paper bag if uh, you again if it's a, a moisture question more than anything the paper will help keep moisture around the plant keep it a little more humid around the plant Great. so that's where often people will exactly just that they'll take the plant remove the soil from the roots put a paper bag over the plant and then hang the whole thing up in the rafters the plant will start to shrivel up and and you know it'll get pale it's not going to grow up there obviously but as long as it's cool enough and there's enough moisture in the air it will stay alive not all of us have those basements anymore i mean my basement is a you know fully insulated fully heated uh fully used by the family basement so it's the last kind of place where i can hang geraniums they would just die very very quickly in all that heat and all that light uh, okay. But but some people still have root cellars and that can work very well. Okay, fuchsia greenhouse or fuchsia uh, geranium, same thing. Okay. Eh? Yep, yep, exactly. Oh, very good. Just remove any flowers uh, as part of the process because the flowers are draining energy and are, a plant will attempt to set seeds with those flowers and you don't want that at all. Okay. Okay. Now when you when I take a cutting, just mm-hmm. explain that to me again. When I take a cutting off the six inch stem, mm-hmm. um, I take it at the the knob at each knob. Uh, it, it can end up being at a at a p- spot where the plant is has a branch at an axis point. Yes, it could be there. The main thing is is that the, the cutting should be four to six inches long. The part you're saving. That's right. Yeah. Right. And okay. then you will remove the lower leaves from right. that because on a geranium you'll see very um, small lines on the stem, the little branches, yep. and at each of those little lines, typically leaves are are popping out, but beneath those lines there's another bud and that bud can become a leaf or it can become a root and so that's why we remove the leaves we immerse the cut stem into moisture and roots will grow from where those little fine lines are okay okay i'll try it thanks okay jim thank you Nine fifty here on a saturday morning <laughs> that with was charlie dub a detailed answer it, it, to it a certainly simple was. question <laughs> but <laughs> no, but if you answered the question, that's fine. Well, I, and I have am you anxious. got some geraniums that you're going to keep? No, but I have a, a burning desire to get to our next caller, Emma, in Bolton, which we will, <laughs> because her problem is an invasion of millipedes. Ooh. Ooh, okay, that sounds scary enough for Halloween. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. What do you want to do with this money? Is it for retirement, buying a boat, you know, whatever it is. And then we can help you determine if the strategy that you're using is suited for your goals. If everything's great, we'll tell you so, we'll send you on your way. If necessary, we can prepare a report that will outline what you need to do to help you achieve your goals. Leanne McGinnerty and Investment Planning Council are committed to helping you live your retirement dream. Arrange a free consultation today. Go to writeonthemoney.ca or call 416 Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Okay, Emma in Bolton, tell me, what's the difference between a <laughs> centipede and a guy? Good morning. morning. Uh, what's the difference? A uh, centipede, I know, has 100 legs. Do, well, uh, you know what? I went on the Internet, and it tells me they are centipedes, but they look like little brown worms, mm-hmm. and they're very crunchy when you squeeze them. Ooh. They say they will eventually turn into centipedes. Now, in 37 years, we're out in the country. I've lived here before. I've, I've, I've never had this problem before for 37 years. They seem to come out at night between 8 and 9 o'clock when mm-hmm. it gets dark, and they're cup crawling all over my back patio. And they line up the doors to get in. <laughs> you, you should, you know, that many feet, you should hear it's them coming. It's horrible. It's so... <laughs> the odd one does get in, you know, and try to get them right away. Holy and in cow. the daytime, they disappear. Yeah, they're underground. They they don't like the light. They're, they're staying underground. Now, okay, I think what's happening there is that the millipedes, I was thinking these were in your house, so these are outside the house. They're outside, but, you know, the odd one does sneak in through somehow through yes, the cracks of the door. The, it's a, a walkout basement we have, so they come through the patio doors. Yeah. So the trick is, of course, to try and avoid using those doors in the <laughs> evening. Uh, d- I definitely would do a thorough check during daylight for cracks and crannies where they could be getting into the house. There are many insects. Box elder comes to mind, um, box elder bugs, uh, there's ladybugs. There's a number of insects that as the fall is progressing, the days are getting cooler, our houses are nice and warm, and all they're looking for is a place to spend the winter. Mm. 
they're not trying to do any damage to you. They're not going to eat your house or eat your food or, you know, climb in bed with you. All they're trying to do is find a nice warm spot to spend the winter. So they want to get in. They're going to live in your walls. And as soon as spring starts to arrive, they're going to emerge perhaps into your house or perhaps outside. But bottom line is they're just really looking for a warm spot. I mean, mice are doing the exact (laughs) same thing, right? They're all looking for a warm spot for winter. So what do you do? Like I said, check, d- double check, make sure your caulking and your, your, all your cracks and crannies are sealed as best you can. Um, I would, you can spray them if you really want to. Uh, very what can simple. I use? Well, there is, um, I'm just trying to remember what it's called. I don't think it's, is it called, bu- it might be called Bug Be Gone. It is designed specifically to be sprayed on, on foundations of homes to eliminate insects from moving in through the foundation. Uh, like comes I was in so ticked off the other night. There were so many crawling on the patio. I used uh, Javix. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do Bet it. they didn't like that. No, oh. no they, they did die, but, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, I had the, uh, there's obviously a nest nearby, and they're emerging. Um, I had the exact same thing happen with ants the other day, where uh, they decided to move the nest, and I tell you, about a quadrillion winged ants emerged mm. right at my patio doors, like oh, you're saying, lovely. just went straight up the wall, and it was like a, the invasion of the flying ants, and the, it was just covered. I was like, I went, I ran in the <laughs> house, I put a big sign inside the house saying, "Do not open this door," <laughs> because I could just, they read it? Uh, no, oh, oh. I was hoping my family might <laughs> i could just see somebody opening the door and you know a thousand flying ants flying into the house so yeah the trick is so trying not to bug be gone might uh, yes I, i'm sure it would help because that you spray Will that foundation here soon <laughs> i beg your pardon like, do they like the cold? I hope the cold will kill them. Well, the, the real cold will kill them, and that's exactly what they're doing, is they're, they're looking for a warm spot so that the cold won't kill them. So that's the thing, is if you want to keep them away from the foundation, spray the foundation. Uh, look for Bug Be Gone at, like, Home mm-hmm. Depot or someplace like that. Yeah, I've heard Come, about it. Yeah, yeah, it comes in a big container, and it's got a little pump action, and you just basically go around, spray all where, you, you know, you're caulking and checking mm-hmm. for your cracks and crannies. Spray as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Good luck, Emma. Thanks so much. Nothing worse than an invasion of millipedes or Or, centipedes. Or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Think of the cost to the mother millipede, you know, buying all those little shoes. (laughs) Unbelievable cost. Well, now, we're... (laughs) We're off to uh, Waterloo. You think of mm-hmm. the oddest things. Well, I'm an odd person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yes. Hello. Yes. Oh, we're going to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Kitchener uh, for Ingrid. Hi, Ingrid. How are you <laughs> yes, this morning? Good morning. I really enjoy your show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have three plants that I moved indoors already from the garden, trying to save them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one is a cannon lily, mm-hmm. and it's producing all kinds of uh, young plants. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted it to be dormant and uh, just stored over the winter. I didn't mm-hmm. want to yep. have to look uh, nurse it all winter. It's in my laundry room because I don't have much space uh, in front of my sliding door. Mm-hmm. And the ca- the mandevilla, mm-hmm. I was wondering if I should transplant it into the lighter soil for indoor plants uh, because I find since I moved it in, the, the soil is really, really hard in the pot. Okay. It's a three-year-old plant, and it's doing beautiful. But do I cut it right back to six inches, like you said to the other gentleman with the geraniums? Uh, okay, um, and what was the third plant? Sorry? Uh, go ahead. You had a third plant yeah. you were going to say? The third one, I don't know the name. I am going to have to call you back one Saturday if I get through to you. Okay. Um, I have to ask the nursery. Uh, it's a plant that has little blue blue mauve blooms and they grew it on a stem this time. It normally comes in a white spreading plant that people use for fillers in uh, veranda pots. And, um, uh, but this time they grew this one on a stem, and I'm trying to save it because it was frightfully expensive. But the, bl- the blooms and the leaves are falling off that one. Now, I did put some lighter soil in the pot into a larger pot when I dug it up in the in the flower pot outside. Mm-hmm. The um, All right, so yeah, you'll, so you'll tell me more about what you think the blue one is called, but let's just go back. The canna lily that you brought in that's in your laundry room right yeah. now, what I would do, it's in a pot right now, obviously. <clears throat> what I would do with that plant, how long ago did you bring it in? I brought it in about two weeks ago. Okay. What I would do is I would take it back outside. 
With the canna lilies, I find the best thing to do, we want them dormant, as you said, for the winter. You do not want this as a house plant. You want it as a dormant tuber. Leave it outside until frost. You want it to get hit by frost. Right. When it gets a good hard frost, all those leaves are going to turn brown. At that time, you will cut the leaves off. Yeah. You can lift the tuber up out of the pot at that time or frankly you can just bring the whole thing in in the pot depends how much room you've got yeah uh what i typically do is if i'm taking it out of the pot i will dry it in the garage for a couple of days because it's often raining in the fall when all these frosts are happening so leaves are removed tuber is now drying just on a piece of newspaper in my garage for a couple of days and at that point i then pack it up into dry peat moss uh, in a paper bag and I put it away in the basement, and I forget about it until next March. Okay. That and what about the young plants that uh, <coughs> it's starting to produce down there at, um, the in same the lofty room? Because it's too lovely, too warm. Yeah, it's too there. warm. So what'll ha- the, those young plants are? Will just the leaves will get knocked down in the frost, just like the big leaves will get knocked okay. down. Okay. So I do the whole. Yeah, uh, the whole big rhizome will be there. It'll it, the little plants are just an indication of how healthy and big the rhizome has grown. It's all I good. I can hardly hear you. Okay. Um, I don't know why. All right, no problem. Sometimes yeah. I, my, I don't know what it is about my microphone. Tell you what, why don't you hang up? I'll just finish this answer quickly because it's a, we're getting to the end of the show. Thank you so much for your call. And turn up your radio, but tr- hang up the phone so you can hear me better. Um, Ingrid had the question about the canna lily. Let the frost hit it. Leaves will go down. At that point, tuber is stored in the, in the dark soil dry peat moss for the winter. The Mandevilla, Ingrid mentioned, is doing beautifully, though the soil is not feeling very nice. I would leave the Mandevilla alone, enjoy the flowers, enjoy the beauty, cut it all back in February, and at the same time you can transplant it, fresh potting soil at that time, and a big cutting back, and it'll be all very rejuvenating for the plant. But just leave it alone and enjoy what's going on now if it looks great. Why, okay. why make life tough, right? Exactly. Uh, we're making life tough on our news guy who's uh, no, waiting we, waiting to report the news. We've got to scoot. And Charlie? you're here for another couple yes, hours. Yes, I so am. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Frank, thank as you. usual. And Grace, thank you, as usual, and to all our great callers. Thanks. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.